Welcome to the Dashboard Effect Podcast. I'm Rick Thompson. Hey, I'm Caleb Oaks. Hey, hey Caleb. Hey. So today we're going to be talking about ChatGPT. Yeah, here we go. I know. It's uh, it's funny. Uh, for some people, it seems like this is a, a almost a constant source of conversation and experimentation, and yet we're both running into people who haven't used it. Maybe you've heard of it, but don't really know what it is. So yeah. I thought we'd start today just by kind of talking about what is ChatGPT, and then uh, we'll bring it back around to how it might have some bearing in data. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think in our sphere of, you know, social... Tech nerds. Guess, yeah, our tech nerds. <laughs> it's just, this is everywhere, right? And it's yeah. like, everybody's talking about this, but then you go outside of, you know, that tech circle and you talk to people and they're like, yeah, maybe I've heard of it or haven't heard of it or don't know it's free to use or some of the implications. We're not going to get into all that stuff, but I think it's interesting to connect it back to what we do and kind of what we see coming uh, down the road. Yeah. Okay. So for listeners who may not be familiar with ChatGPT, ChatGPT is what they call a large language model. It's a form of AI. Um, ChatGPT is actually a product produced by a company called OpenAI. Microsoft is a big investor in their, in them and actually provides a lot of infrastructure for them. Um, on the back end, behind uh, sort of the, the UI, there's a tool called GPT-4, which uh, OpenAI built which is quite amazing when you first experience it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, nuts and bolts is just code, right? But it's put together like various layers. Again, we won't get into all the details, but it's really, really cool kind of what it what it's able to produce for you and what it's able to understand from the, the prompts and text you put into it. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, and again, not to get technical, not that I'm an expert anyway, but um, basically the large language model is a neural network that seems to understand questions that you're asking it and gives sometimes very insightful and smart answers. And you can ask it to do things like write an email, summarize an article, write an article, write a podcast outline. I mean, it's it's quite amazing the amount of time it can save because it does such a good job. I mean, I find when I use it for things like uh, writing an email, I still have to do an edit on that. But it gets that first draft out, which is fantastic um, and often very insightful. And one of the tools that um, we're using around the office quite a bit is based on GPT-4, which is the underlying uh, technology uh, behind ChatGPT, and it's called Bing Chat. And you can actually access it just by going to the Bing search engine and looking for the chat icon at the top of the page or using the Edge browser, and there's a like a big Bing Chat um, sidebar that you can use. And we're using it in our company quite a lot to just shorten that writing process. Yeah, right. I mean, it is really interesting. So ChatGPT, I think it came out, or ChatGPT3 came out late last year, right? And but what a lot of people don't know is that's what really blew it up, yeah. right? Like this was ChatGPT has been a thing for a while, and they had different um, different models. GPT one, yeah, GPT two, exactly right. Code that, names behind them, but yeah, yeah, that left a lot to to be desired. But they've been working on this for a long time, and not just OpenAI either, right? There's a lot of these right. models that are out there, and Google people has are working them. on Meta this. Like crazy, them. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess the the short of it is is that. ChatGPT is really the first one that's really starting to integrate itself with like, you know, productivity tools and, and you can obviously see why with Microsoft's heavy hand in it. 
but these these AI models and these large language models are not new. They're they're you know they're all over the place, yeah. and they're going to become more and more part of I think what people do at work, and uh, they're gonna they're gonna open up a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it's it's kind of early days in terms of them getting to uh, wide adoption, and so there are things you have to be careful of, like. They'll give you the wrong answer and make it sound very convincing. Mm -hmm. um, also, uh, at least internally here at our company, we're being very careful not to put anything proprietary or confidential out on them because we're not sure exactly where that might go. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to be super careful of that. Um, but we can see how quickly it's evolving. And um, there's, a, there's a thing that uh, OpenAI is doing right now, which is to allow add-ons to ChatGPT, which will connect this large language model to other technologies like Wolfram Alpha or the internet or all sorts of different things. Mm -hmm. And this sort of brings us to our topic today, right. which is when and how will it allow us to connect to data? Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's an API that OpenAI has that we've done some playing around with and, and tried to throw some data at it and see what it can come up with. And you can, yeah, you can paste in an Excel sheet, you know, yeah. or, you know, a table of data into, or in the chat GPT right now, and it'll give you a uh, analysis of it. I know. So like those things are happening and it's, you know, it's going to, it's going to be here before we know it. Well, it'll, it'll write pretty credible SQL code for you. Not always correct, but but darn close, and that'll keep getting better. And I have a feeling, well, you and I both have a feeling that it won't be too long before you'll be able to point ChatGPT or a t tool like it at a data source, like a data lake, yeah. and have it access a semantic layer that tells it how the data relates to it, to the different parts of the data lake, and maybe won't even need that. It may be able to look at it and do that analysis and figure it out itself. Yeah, I'm sure at some point it'll get there. To that point, right? Yeah. Um, but you know, first step will probably be something more along the lines of point me at something like a data model, and I'll give you some answers about it. Yeah. Um, but I do think you know that's essentially what it has done with all the data it's been fed. Right? It's like right. here's just a bunch of data, and it's just kind of learned all these things, and now can give you intelligent responses when you ask it a question. You're just going to be able to do that with your with your business's data. I think that's right. Yeah. So natural language querying on data is available. Um, I talked with Kate last week about this. You know, Power BI has a Q&A function. It's been of questionable uh, utility just because it takes a lot of fine tuning to make it work right. Um, I have a feeling with these large language models, it's going to get to where it has huge utility and may become one of the main interfaces that data analysts and especially executives or business people are using to query their data. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, imagine just being able to ask a question, right, of, of your data, and it just gives you one back, right? The, the Power BI one, like you said, a lot to be desired there. Yeah. But I would bet that that's going to come along pretty quickly, um, especially on the, like, kind of your curated data models already. Yes. That Q&A feature is going to get awesome. And then, you know, broader picture, getting your data into a spot to where that thing can analyze it, I think it's going to... I think it's coming. It's going to yeah. happen. Well, and you saw an example that you sent over to me recently of a guy that built a power app mm -hmm. that uses the OpenAI uh, API to um, interface with data inside of a Power BI model and tell you smart things. It's still still early and maybe a little crude. I, I didn't go deep on it, but it's uh, a very 
very obvious glimpse into things that are coming soon. Right. Yeah. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about it before that we think that this is going to become, uh, you know, a must to have your data in a spot to where when these models are ready for it, they can actually go do the analysis and, and kind of pull together the answers that you're going to need from it. Um, if you don't have it and everything's still kind of siloed away, you're going to be scrambling to get there. Yeah. And so that's leading us to a recommendation for our clients, which is to make sure you're you're consolidating your data, integrating your data, probably into a data lake because that's inexpensive and quick to do um, so that you're ready when these tools become available to start applying them immediately. I think it could be a, a competitive advantage, especially if you're in a competitive market. If you have a good handle on your data, um, it's going to give you the ability to figure things out easier than your competition. Right. Yeah. I mean, just imagine sitting in a meeting and having somebody ask a question. It's like, no, I don't know the answer to that. Let me find out right now and just go type in your, your question and it gives you back the answer. Yeah. Extremely powerful. We're obviously not there yet, you right. know, but it's going to be there. And I, then that's such a f- key foundational piece is to have your data ready to go for it. Yeah. And I think actually there's good arguments for having your data uh, in a in a single repository anyway. Right. Um, even with natural language querying, you're still going to want standard reports that people are looking at that are up on screens around the office, that type of thing. Um, the data lake enables that, um, but then just has you ready for this extra, I was going to call it icing, but it may become sort of the main, main thing yeah. in the future. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. 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 All right. What else on this? Plenty more to come, you know. Yeah. I think we're going to have a few other a few more episodes about this topic because it's important and I think it is it is a you know it is a shaker. Yeah. I think it's going to be important to all businesses. Um, our typical clients are mid-market companies, usually PE owned. It could have really uh, particular benefit there and and particular utility there. So maybe we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, for sure. Let's do it. All right. Thanks, Caleb. Thanks.